Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello and welcome into the Beers and Ears podcast. We're going to hit the ground rolling right away because, my goodness, there's so much news that we have to get to before we get to the meat of the episode. My name is Matt. <laughs> and my name is Casey. You are 100% right, Matt. I um, Before we even started about three or four hours ago, I texted Matt and I said, hey, um, we're doing Ryan the Last Dragon today. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Actually, it was like six o'clock this morning I texted yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, it's like, hey, we're doing Ryan the Last Dragon today. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. Um, you know, we should probably cover some of the stuff going on down in the parks because uh, there's been some major announcements as it pertains to COVID and everything with the parks and with the Walt Disney Company and, and a bunch of stuff. So, yeah, you're right. It's going to be kind of one of those episodes where it's like, well, let's cover the news and then we'll get into our, our movie review. So we'll start right in. Uh, a couple of days ago, um, Disney announced uh, kind of it wasn't even an announcement. It was just a change on their website. Like suddenly about COVID, they changed their mask policy again. And so their mask policy has officially changed back to um, whether or not you're vaccinated. If you're in an indoor area at Walt Disney World, you are required to wear a mask at this point. And let's um, say this, th- you know, this is just today. Today is July 31st. By the time this episode comes out, this may <laughs> have changed 50 times. Yeah, it could <laughs> be. Right it now, could be all. It is. could be all all the way around outdoors or indoors and you know they're responding to the cdc guidance that came out a couple of days ago i don't think matt if anybody who's been listening to our show for any period of time i don't think it's going to be a surprise to our listeners to know that you and i both are like pro mask pro vaccine like go get your shot um and and that should not be political we try to keep politics out of this politics because it's disney this is not political it's just science and so Masks have been proven to work. The science is showing that the Delta variant is highly transmissible. The CDC has said it's it's just as transmissible or more than the chicken pox. And as such, you can be a carrier even if you're vaccinated. So I can see why Disney's doing this and, and, and they just don't know who's in the midst right now. And, you know, in order to avoid things like crazy social distancing and lower capacities, this is one way that they're able to help control the spread. Well, and I think they're also trying to avoid having to prove vaccination status for guests. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's where they want to go, but I also, given the other recent announcement, I don't think that's out of the question. So no. they just announced uh, yesterday, I believe, and yep. uh, along with Walmart as well. So yes. two of the major employers in the United the country. States. country, yeah, in the world, really. Yeah. Um, that they are going to require all employees to be vaccinated. Well, Walmart's a little bit different. So Walmart's not all employees. Walmart's is, is all corporate office employees and all managers who travel. So frontline workers aren't quite there yet, but it doesn't mean they're not going to be there shortly. And then of course, Disney, it's all employees, all cast members, except for those who are unionized and they've already indicated that they're going to be working with unions to work through that. And rightfully so. I mean, again, we are pro vaccine on this podcast. Like, yeah, I, I got and, into it. Just from, just from just a crazy. business standpoint, if I'm a business and I want to get back to doing my business, the best way that I can do that to protect my workers is to vaccinate. And, exactly. and Walmart and, and Disney can do this because if you have, let's say 10% of your employees say, no way, I'm leaving. 
Disney and Walmart and Disney especially are not going to have any problems filling those positions. So in some cases, it's a really low risk, high ceiling for them. Uh, Mm -hmm. So just from a business side, it makes sense. Yeah. And again, they're business model is built on people feeling safe and wanting to come to their parks uh, 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 for the experience. And if people aren't feeling safe, they're not going to come. Right. And so I think, I think, and I've had this conversation with a number of people, my friend Jason included that it is going to be up to the private employers to step up like this and make these decisions because if they don't, that next step is the government mandate. And it's not unprecedented to have a government mandate. It's not. I mean, you look at the measles vaccine. You look at all you know all these vaccines we have to get before you go into public school. Matt, a couple more years, you're going to be dealing with that if you end up sending your kids to public school. Well, I mean, you know, we've so... already gone through, like, there's vaccines that happen at six months, at yeah. one year. Like, it... it this is not just the COVID vaccine. I yes, no. I very much give my kids vaccines uh, because I want to protect them, and that's an easy way to protect them from diseases that we have already figured out. Yep. Let's not make it harder on us. <laughs> if you if you contrast that with what's happening down in downtown Chicago with Lollapalooza right oh, now, yeah, like just call it the super spreader event that's going to happen in two week two weeks like two weeks time. I am so nervous for 100,000 people crammed into that space makes no sense to me why they held that. Well, I know why they held it, but we won't go into politics. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah I, it's it's bonkers. I saw a photo of it and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's I think this we're in one of those like it. I still think we're on the tail end of it. Like we're we're. We're in much better shape than a lot of the world is. I try oh, to yeah. perspective, but also I think it's going to get a little worse before it gets better. Frankly put at this point, it has become a disease of the unvaccinated. It is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Those who are vaccinated can still carry it. So that's what this ultimately becomes about. And, you know, Disney is doing what, it, what they think it needs to do in order to get themselves back up to where 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 they're at do you think Um, just uh straight up do you think that we are that they are going to require guests in the coming months to prove vaccination status or a negative covid test hmm i i don't know if they will go that far but the airlines could Mm. and so considering that the majority of you know, guests who go to Walt Disney World or Disneyland are those who are flying in. That could have the same effect. I didn't think about that. That Disney would probably just lay back and let the airlines yeah. take the heat for it, rather exactly. than exactly. Yeah, I mean, my goodness, that the amount of PR. Even if you are vaccinated, there, there, there's a certain subsect of people in this this country who don't want to be told what they have to do. I, I, I don't know. But again, I will I will say this. You're not entitled to a Walt Disney World vacation. End of story. Like you're entitled to not get a vaccination right now. I mean, that, that, your free ride is a, a, in the United States of America. If you don't want to get poked, at least as of right now, that's your call. But you don't have a right to a Walt Disney World vacation. You don't have a right to travel on an airplane. You don't have a right to do these things. Even employers. Like, I mean, I, I'm on the pro employers mandating vaccine vaccination side. I am. So yeah. um, in other non-vaccine news, just a couple of things. Did you see the little Imagineer tidbit about the Star Wars hotel? 
I did. Um, <laughs> Spring 2022. Oh my gosh. You know, it, it's one of, and we've talked to this on the pod that it's not necessarily something that I'm rushing out to do, but also I it hope cool. that I do get to do it at some point in my life. Yeah. It looks really, really cool. Um, so I, that, that hit the, the news. Um, obviously since we talked last, the, the, uh, the behind the attractions episodes have debuted. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch any of those yet. I have not watched any of them. Those, they'll probably come up on some of our, our future episodes, but I, Matt, they're exactly what you and I talked about. They're, okay. they're exactly what you and I talked about that they needed to produce. In fact, they're even better than that. And okay. they're fun and absolutely you'll love them. It's like an extension of the imaginary story. Awesome. Awesome. So. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything other news that I'm missing right now? Um, kind of the only big other thing is the whole, like, you've got Scarlett Johansson. Suing oh, yeah. Disney Hello. Company, uh, <laughs> for, and I, I, I'll be honest. I have not read a ton into this. And there's rumors, too, that I think some other actors are looking at doing this. And this all stems from the whole releasing the movie in theaters and in streaming. So can, can you – do you have any more insight? I do. I do. Because so, I'm confused. So the news broke a couple of days ago. And again, by the time this debuts, we might have more information. But the news broke a couple of days ago that Scarlett Johansson is suing the Walt Disney Company for breach of contract, basically saying that their decision to release Black Widow simultaneously in the theaters alongside of uh, streaming premiere Disney Plus – ended up costing her a bunch of money because her contract, because she was a producer on the film, was largely tied to box office returns. There, there, She's um, attesting that she lost potentially up to $50 million in uh, salary based on how her contract was modeled and had, had Black Widow actually performed better at the box office. Had they released only at the box office, she's saying she would have had additional money. Now Disney's saying they 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 maintained the contract to the T, and that the, I think the exact words were they found it deplorable or some kind of whatever word they used that she is not considering the fact that the COVID pandemic was going to take a bite out of out of these box office returns. And the fact is, I mean, we recorded Black Widow two weeks ago, or a week ago, whenever we recorded it, and it was it was a hot the first weekend and it's dipped like crazy and it's you know part of that is you can get it on disney plus there's no doubt about that so what's happened now is that basically because she's a huge star like probably the biggest star to do this that like there were a bunch of actors and actresses across the, the country who wanted to start a lawsuit like this for their various movies, but they were waiting for kind of like it to gain some traction among a, among the a, a huge, you know, someone who could actually like bring it some attention. Well, now that she's done that, basically actors and actresses are starting to pick sides. Um, Kevin Feige has actually come out in defense of Scarlett Johansson and said that she has every right to do this. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but Emma um, Emma Stone from Cruella is now rumored to also be suing Disney over the fact that they're streaming and and, and the, the simultaneous release. So this is going to be interesting because it's going to set the stage because we are at an inflection point. Are they are our movie or are you know uh, movie producers and, and production companies going to continue to utilize that streaming service um, as a 
as a potential for release and as such how do the contracts play out for stars moving forward well i think moving forward stars are going to put something in the street that it's going to it's going to have to include and i get blank of whatever streaming stuff because mm-hmm. i think that's that's i think the big issue is i don't think they have the actors and actresses don't have access to the money that disney made through premiere access but i, I also kind of go what did you want? Like, okay, let's say they don't do premiere access. Do you really think that, I mean, there may have been a percentage of people that streamed at premiere access that would have gone to the theaters. But I think most of the people that streamed at premiere access were not going to go to the theaters. Anyway, premiere access is $30. We went on a $5 Tuesday. So we got all of our tickets, so it was you, me, and Eric went, so all of our tickets plus our food costed less than just pretty much. premier yeah. access. Pretty much, yeah. So to me, like it's clearly more economical to go see it in theaters, even if you well, don't if wanna... you if you do it on the five hour movie night, it's not always more economical to do it because it because if you go to AMC on a regular night, it's a sixteen dollar ticket, Matt. But I mean, it's ridiculous. So, but even at sixteen dollars, like that's still half. I mean, almost half for one now, person, though. I, I I get it, but it it but still like um, so. I mean, yes, you do start to pile up. Like if if the whole family is seeing it, I I get that, but I don't know. I just don't. I don't. If, if they didn't release these Disney Plus, I I don't feel like the box office booms. Maybe well, I'm wrong. The the one thing that's really interesting to me is that I am shocked, and, and again, I don't know if they'll ever release one of these contracts to the public or not, but I am shocked that there's not like an act of God clause in these contracts. Like in any contract that I have ever seen, like, you know, we used to sell warranties at this other place that I was at and, and that I used to work for. And there was an act of God clause. Like in the event of an act of God, this warranty is not, you know, it's not valid. Right. Mm -hmm. So what's an act of God? Well, a pandemic's an act of God like that, a worldwide pandemic that you've never seen in the likes of which for over a hundred years that closes down commercial and industry for over a year. That's an act of God. I mean, come on. And so it does kind of shock me that there wasn't something like that in there in the event of an act of God, you know, that, you know, this is what we revert to or something like that. But again, I'm not the one who structured the contract. And again, that contract was probably written five years ago. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. 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 I, Uh, I think also just, this is just a personal note. It rubs me the wrong way when Scarlett Johansson has made how much money over the course of this MCU. And, and it's like, Oh, I'm missing out on this much. And it's like, Really? <laughs> See, I'm 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 in I'm on Scarlett Johansson's side. I am. I, I I I'm on Scarlett Johansson's side. Not even so much for ScarJo. I'm, which by the way, I hate that we call her ScarJo. Um, it's actually more for like the characters and the actors and actresses who are making less, yeah. who also got potentially ripped out. You know, like ripped off. You know, we don't again we don't know the the structure of the contract, but someone who was less of a star that was in that wouldn't have the ability to sue like she is she 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 is taking the splash and basically taking the heat i think so that other people can feel comfortable doing the same thing okay i guess i didn't think of it that way so okay okay i'm 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 more on board with it so honestly i think this is one of those it's making big news but Disney and Scarlett Johansson and all these actors and extras will figure out a way I to they'll settle. They'll, we'll they'll settle. settle. Yeah. Absolutely. They'll settle. 
Um, okay, well, let's go ahead and move on to the topic of the net night uh, or the day, depending on when you're watching this, which coincidentally was also a movie that was released uh, via premiere service on Disney Plus, and that is Raya, which you corrected me before, Raya and the Last Dragon, Raya and the Last Dragon. So I, uh, I watched that this afternoon. I had not seen it until today. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. I, well, because it just it just came off of Premiere Access a month ago. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was on Premiere Access for three months. Um, I remember when it first came out, there were a lot of a, a lot of people just giving it high praise on Facebook. This was back in March. Um, you were one of them who 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 gave it some very high praise. Um, and I will tell you that I thoroughly enjoyed this movie today as i was watching i watched it first thing this morning woke up seven o'clock popped it on had my breakfast while i was watching it wow what a good movie i i think disney knocked it out of the park here this is one of those that i'm i'm upset that it's i think it's gonna go down as an underrated gem Mm -hmm. of a disney movie because of how it came out it was I think in some theaters, but for the most part, it was just premiere access. It was supposed to come out in that November, and they just pushed it to March. And you you don't see as many people talking about it and all this stuff. But yeah, I, I've watched it three times now. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought it with premiere access and watched it, and then I watched it again while I was doing some busy work to have it on, and then I watched it with my wife as well. And the 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 first time watching it i was like yeah i i love this i Mm -hmm. love this movie it's Mm -hmm. so so good it was engaging and interesting and the plot was not convoluted um Mm, i think too often we try to have like a a a really deep deep plot and sometimes you know what i just want a really linear plot we're on a quest here's what we're trying to get awesome like yeah i agree well i I sent you i sent you a text as i was like in the middle of it it, it, it was kind of like Avatar Last Airbender meets the never-ending story is kind of what it felt like. <laughs> but what I liked about it is is that I do, in my job, I do training videos. So I put a lot of training videos and modules together. And one of the things that I've learned is that when you're putting content together, it's very helpful for the learner or for the viewer or for the participant to know where they're going. So where are you now and how much left do you have, Right. What I liked about this movie just overall was that you knew exactly where she was in her journey. You knew whether she was in tail or whether she was in talon or whether she was in spine or she was in heart or she was in fang because it told you. And, and what was even more interesting is that as she went to these individual cities, these individual towns or nations, I guess would be the best way to put it, they had their own personalities. They yes. had their own feel. And, you know, it, it, the plot was simplistic, but you were excited. I, I wrote a book. We've talked about this on the podcast. I wrote a book many, many years ago called Elixir. And in that book, the, the protagonist has to go and collect these three gems or whatever. It's a very similar plot point. It's one that's been used for literally decades, but it works. Yeah. And it was just so well done. Yeah, and I, I echo what you said with uh, each place feels different and unique and the people feel different and unique, and I really, really liked that. 
Um, I love Raya as as the main character mm-hmm. and, and how she is portrayed. And I love how they set up the whole story and what puts things in motion. And uh, the side characters, I think, are interesting and likable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's it's just all around. And it's a very action-y movie. It's an action-packed adventure. You, you mentioned that, that it was. And it's funny. It is action-packed. But for me... I enjoyed, again, the expositional elements of it, the story elements. The action was okay. Again, I'm not an action guy all the time, but the expositional elements. When when um, uh, Sisu first appears, I was really worried about, at first, how she was being portrayed because I, I was like, oh, my God, I know this actress because she's played in Crazy Rich Asians. And she's like a she's a comedian, and she's over the top, and she's I just don't think it fits the, the feel of this movie. But she brought comedy and levity, but at the same time seriousness to the part. And the way they made her emote, the way they drew her her face, and the way you could see her emotions, and the and, and that was the other thing. Watching, like trying to figure, okay, what power is she going to gain next? That was fun. Like when she first started glowing, okay, so every time she touches the crystal, she gets a new a new power. So what's the next power she's going to get? And then then you find out that she can. Um, what was the next one? She can change into a, a, a human, and then the next one is she can uh, make it rain or whatever. Like I just that was fun too. Like it was so creatively done, and I think that the voice actors and actresses were perfect. Yeah, I am not a huge Aquafina fan, and I thought she knocked it out of the park in this. Mm-hmm. That you're right; like she had the funny lines that 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 were really really good. But the whole part where she's talking about, I miss my family, I miss yeah. my brothers and sisters, and this is what happened at the end of the when we first defeated the Droon, that they believed in me, and I was like, yep. wow, this is some uh, this is some very raw emotion here. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I I very much enjoy, it. and also my favorite character is Boone. The the <laughs> yes. I, I love that character. Well, you know um, what I'll say. So speaking of that, so I think the thing that they did really well is that these side characters could have been very much just throwaway sidekick characters. They very much could, but somehow they made you feel and empathize with every single one of them. Boone and he starts talking about his family, right? Then you know the the child con artist, the baby con artist. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize that 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 you know she was going to be part of uh, of it along with those three three little side characters. But then you realize that she lost her mom, and then this is her new family, right? And then um, the way that they dealt with Spine, Spine was awesome because. Here I'm thinking, okay, she's going to go into Spine. She's got all these warriors she's going to have to fight, blah, 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 blah. And they're all gone. It's mm-hmm. just him. And what I think is so awesome, and if you're really perceptive, as you start to move into the story, you start to realize that she's picking up a a representative, an ambassador of every nation as she goes along. And, you know, that can fly over a lot of people's heads until the end. But as we're going, I'm like, she's got an ambassador from this nation. She's got an ambassador from this nation. That's going to play a huge part at the end. I knew it. I knew it was going to. Mm-hmm. And of course you get to the end. That was another element. Like when she voluntarily gives herself up as the first, like says, I've got to take that first step. I'll be the first one to, to sacrifice myself. You don't usually see that and you see her turn to stone. That's, you know, it's kind of scary, you know? Yeah. And this is a transition into one of always how I evaluate every Disney movie. And this is the my Disney villains 
theory. I was wondering this, what your thought process was going to yes. be on this. So um, I think so. I don't consider the Droon to be the villain. They're okay. they're like just bad things. They have no personality. They are not characters. It is the outside force that they are fighting. It's the nothing from the never ending story. Exactly. <laughs> I consider Namari and Fang to kind of be the antagonist slash villains mean, of this you mean story. The fi- you mean the fire nation <laughs> from Avatar? That's basically <laughs> what they are. Very similar. Um, and so this is what I love is I, and, and, and maybe, maybe you can help me out with this is I don't think that Disney has ever done this with a Disney villain where I love at the beginning it's this there it's two girls that are friends and it's so great that Raya is listening to her dad and trying to make you know we can be Kumandra again oh my goodness hey you know I'm making connection with this kid let me uh, let me show her the Dragonstone and she gets betrayed by Namari and clearly you know we then fast forward and then Namari is really aggressively hunting her and uh, and, and really is is trying to get in Raya's way but it doesn't end with the villain being defeated. It ends with the villain being redeemed and being forgiven and welcomed back into the fold. And I don't think that's ever been done to a Disney villain. They are always defeated. Well, okay. Here's the thing. In recent pictures, Disney has really stepped away from the villain. I mean, just take the two of the biggest ones that we've had recently frozen and Moana, the villain in frozen, the original frozen truly is Elsa in a lot of ways. She, she starts off as the, she starts off as the sister. Then she kind of realizes she has this power and she goes away and all the stuff that happens is because of her. Yeah. I guess you could count, you know, Hans or the Duke is kind of the villain, but really Elsa is like the antagonist who then becomes a protagonist again. I don't really think there's a true villain in frozen. Yeah, I mean, I, but I think Hans could be, he, he's a villain that gets revealed later, which again, yes. I think was a unique thing that they, that they, but did. then Moana is another example, right? So the, the villain there, whose name is escaping me, Taka, uh, Taka who is really Takiti or Tahiti or Te-fiti. whatever, Tafiti, um, who, which gets revealed later. So again, Taka really isn't defeated. She's redeemed again. So I think this is kind of just another step in that direction that Disney has taken, which is basically said, we really don't have villains all that much anymore. Like we don't have the Jafars or the Ursulas or the Scars like we used to. I do think it is a unique way to, to, there was so much commentary in this movie that we could have about the world we're in right now, about accepting people for who they are, about seeing things different ways, about coming together to co- you know combat a common enemy. There's so much stuff there. I do think that it was it was a very creative way. But let's go to your Disney villains theory. It's not a true villain. So that said. You're, you know, you you thought this was a great movie without technically a true villain. So maybe your theory is starting to kind of unravel a little. I bit. don't know. I would consider this to be a true villain. You they do. just didn't do it in a way of a classic Jafar Scar, like there's uh, Mother Gothel. Like it, it's not an outright evil from the beginning. Though you could argue maybe they are. Like you know, outright at the beginning, it's it's they they come out and betray. 
And and then now it again it looks different than uh, a nefarious plot of again Jafar's Ursula's things like that. But I, I I consider that Fang and Namari are the villains of this, but then by the end are not. And I think. But that, okay, I so let me ask you this: Would you consider all the other nations being the villains then? Because technically, all the nations did the same thing that they they did. Fang did the same thing. They all wanted the the gem. They're the ones who initiated it. And as soon as it was revealed, it was there, and it broke a piece. They all they all apart. They all took a piece. I think in the context of this movie, yes, but also in again in the context of the movie, we clearly are focusing in on Namari yeah. and Fang. Okay. So That's like fair. like yeah, so you're right that yes, you know, all the nations are to blame. And even you could argue that Hart is to blame in this. That it seems like from what Raya is saying, that there is a she grows up in this like we need to figure out who we're gonna fight and defeat and her dad's like no we're gonna welcome them in we're gonna try to repair these relationships Mm -hmm. and that seems like that's not been something that has been happening well what's interesting to me about that is okay it's been 500 years since all this happened so literally generations upon generations upon generations this has been the way it has been why all of a sudden is he like like I'd be curious to know, like, what sparked him to want to bring everybody together? Like, has it been something that their generate their family's been trying to do all of a sudden? And, like, what did that invite look like to these other nations? Like, hey, haven't talked to you in 500 years, but come on over to Hart. You know, like, like <laughs> seriously. Yeah, you know, let's have dinner. I want to invite you over. I don't want to fight anymore. You know, like, it yeah. just, it's kind of weird to me. Yeah, that's one of those plot points that I think just, like, it's an animated movie, like, yeah, I know. Don't I think know. about it don't, too don't much. Don't think too much about it. Okay, <laughs> so were there any parts of the movie that you were like, mm, not so much? I think that the development of Sisu was not quite complete. Okay. Um, because when Raya and Sisu are getting to know each other and moving through this journey, you have the Raya who doesn't trust anybody and Sisu who trusts everybody. Okay. And so, again, you know, kind of being the person that I am, I watch, you know, kind of watch and unfold of like, okay, so Raya is going to learn now to trust people, but Sisu is also going to learn to, you know, be cautious around people and, you know, make sure that people have, you know, right intentions and like that. And I, I just don't feel like that that ever, like, really came around. She just kind of continued to be recklessly... Uh, uh, reckless go in and all, and and who cares? I trust everyone. Even you know after though, she got hurt, I, I don't know. Like I just I felt like that arc wasn't complete. I, I see where you're saying, but I also don't necessarily know if I agree that that's the arc that should have been there. Because I mean, let's face it: the dragons are basically deities in this universe. They're basically like higher beings who understand the universe probably more than humans do and they never had a beef with the humans like the like this wasn't a thing where like humans killed them off 500 years ago this was a uh uh a force right the druins based on the fighting the humans did with each other that brought this force in and the dragons were trying to protect the humans and they ended up, you know, getting, you know, killed off via turned into stone. So I don't necessarily know if Sisu had to do that. I, I don't, I, I, I think it would be really interesting if, if Disney wanted to go 
into sequel or prequel territory with this, which I think they very much could. I'd love to see a prequel centered around the dragon society, around around her family and, and kind of the boundaries and how they got to be protectors of the humans and, and all that stuff. And moreover, okay, so this... The, this whole country of all the nations put together, Kumandra, Kumandra, um, is it the? Is that it? Is that all that's alive in the world? Or are there other places like this in the world too? I I think, and I hope that Disney can look at this and and, and I think this this is ripe for a sequel. I really believe it. And I agree with you in your assessment at the beginning of the movie or the beginning of the show that I think with the way it got released, I just hope it doesn't get swept under the rug because this has all of the telltale signs of, of Disney IP that could go on for decades. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is one of those, you could very easily put it in Disney world as, I mean, there's a ride there. There's a, you know, there's a there's a really fun ride that you could do. Um, there's cool. I mean, even show experiences I can think of that you could do. I, I think this works really, really well. I think the character of Raya and her outfit and everything is a cool outfit. Uh, I think how they use Tuk Tuk of how she gets around on him, I think is really cool looking. Like, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Like, I wish mm-hmm. I had a little ball that I could roll around. <laughs> a little roly poly. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. But... I I think that this movie was trying to capitalize on young girls who got into Frozen who are now a little bit older now. Because this movie comes out like eight years after Frozen. So if you're five when Frozen comes out, you're now 13 and maybe, you know, Frozen and Disney are starting to get a little kitty. Well, this movie is a very, you know, Raya's a cool, strong, independent character. She's got a sword. She's a defender of something. She's yeah. on this grand quest. I, I think it's kind of trying to trying to capitalize on that frozen generation that is now growing up and maybe thinking that Disney's a little bit kitty and they're trying to put a little more uh, not to say this movie is, is like an adult movie, but it's got some pretty heavy themes. There's like, some, ed- there's like, some edge. There's definitely some edge. To yeah. It. yeah. Cause like the whole idea of loss where, I mean, these characters go into, I lost my mom and dad and brothers and sisters. And I, you know, Raya lost her dad. And then the, the guy from spine whose name is escaping me right now, who I'm going to look up on Wikipedia. I have it pulled up here. Uh, uh, Tong. Yes. Tong. Which was um, Benedict Wong, by the way. Yes. I love that. Um, so Tong, uh, you know, he, he lost like he lost his child. Like it, it, you know, to that point, real quick too. I, I want to call this out. So the thing that I didn't like about the movie, or the, the one aspect, I I felt that the side characters who we invested all this time into got shortchanged in their reunions. Like, mm. like okay, so when I turned it on, so on Disney Plus, this movie is an hour and fifty three minutes long. I was like, oh, that's a pretty decent sized movie for for an animated movie, right? Well, the movie itself is actually only an hour and 30 minutes. There are 20 minutes of credits. Oof. I couldn't believe it. Now, part of that's Disney Plus. It's got the Spanish credits at the end, etc. But I felt like I wanted I wanted to see Boone's sister like play with his hair, you know, because he talked about that. I wanted to see I wanted to see um, you know, the reunion for for Tong be a little bit more. The reunion for for the baby be a little bit more. Like I just I felt like 
I know they wanted to get to Raya and and get her to see her dad, and then of course, obviously, the revelation that all the nations come together and they they come together again. But I just feel like all of those other side characters we had invested in, and as such, because we've invested, we should have gotten a little bit more of a payoff than we did. Yeah, I I can see that. Um, yeah, that that moment where Raya reunites with her dad is is. Oh. Oh, very powerful. Oh, it's very, <laughs> very, very powerful. And there's Disney doing it again with a killed off member of the of the of the parents. You know, we, we yeah. don't know what happened to her mom, but, you know, so. Now, was that the only thing that you had an issue with or were there other? Um, no. I know like a couple other like, you know, plot things that you'd li- like filled in. But I feel like that's with most movies that 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 you especially being an exposition junkie. You're just like, I just want more. I just want yeah. more exposition. Yeah, I, I honestly did not have anything more. I think it was a very good movie. There were moments, there were probably two or three moments that I literally laughed out loud, just like, ah! Because it was like, it just was a funny little way. I think it was also the way that she, you know, like, it's set in this medieval time, but at the same time, like, she kind of, she's she's talking like a modern day person. So I thought that was really well done. No, I didn't, I didn't have any issues with it. I think it was very well done. And Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Tran, I think did a great job, which by the way, she wasn't the first person who was going to play her. Did you see that? I did not see that. Yeah. So she was not the first one who was going to play her. So originally um, a, a lady by the name of Cassie Steele, Cassie Ray Steele was supposed to play her. Um, she's, she plays Tammy uh, Witterman and Trisha Lang in Adult Swim's Rick and Morty. I don't know if people know her from that. Um, <laughs> so that okay. was who was supposed to play. Or she was originally supposed to play her, and they, they cast Kelly Marie, Kelly Marie Tram, who, by the way, auditioned for it and did not get the part. They started doing some of the pre, uh, pre-production of this and realized in the direction that she was going that she was not the right voice, so they brought her back, uh, Kelly Marie Tram back. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, also, this is one of, because there's going to be several, uh, this was the first of the Disney movies that's been released that was primarily put together in the animators' homes. Which is bonkers to me. Yeah. Like, that's just, that that makes this movie, it, I, and, and maybe that's what makes this, I knew that going into seeing this movie, and maybe that's why I had rose-colored glasses for it, because I'm sitting there going... How in the world was all of this done remotely? This is that that's that's insane. Speaking of that, so I listeners you just got to indulge us for a moment. Knowing that that's the case, it brings me back to the security, the IT security videos that we had to watch when we were at the Disney store. Do you remember those security videos? <laughs> yes. So there were IT videos that we had to certify in once a year, listeners. <laughs> and one of them was with this guy who was like the the danger guy from those insurance commercials. And he'd say, he'd say, imagine you have a baby and you left that baby out and someone came along and took that baby and put that baby out on the internet or whatever it was. How would you feel about that? Well, now imagine your baby is this movie that you're working on over here or this project that you're working on over here. You want to make sure you protect your baby and lock your baby up. So it just, (laughs) it makes... (laughs) 
That's my favorite thing because I was like, okay, I'm sorry, Disney. I know your IP is very precious. It is not as precious as my child. <laughs> but that's the, it was hilarious. So they would always talk about when you walk away from your desk, make sure you lock your computer. Uh, don't don't leave flash drives out. If you're going to leave for the night, it's got to go in this giant vault. And of course, we're working at the Disney store. We, we, we don't have access to this IP stuff. But I will tell you, when I did Star Wars Celebration, I don't know if I ever told you this. So when no. I did Star Wars Celebration, so uh, the, the the project lead who was uh, in charge, I can't remember her name. So when she when she first was sending me documents about how the layout of the, the thing was going to be and everything, I had to, when she sent them to me, they were they were in a link. And I had to log in with my credentials, my partner number. And the way that the, the documents were, they, they had a highlighted print across the entire page that had my name and Perner number. So when I printed them, it was the full size and highlighted like a, like a watermark because if they were ever found, it was attributed to me. So like that was one security measure. Like, you know, don't Holy print cow. these. You can't share these with anyone. These can't go out to anybody because of the secrecy around it. So it just goes to show you that they definitely have some um, uh, some security measures in the terms of their IP and their content there. Oh, and it makes sense. I just don't appreciate comparing it to my child. <laughs> <laughs> It was that was always a funny. It was, was a fun a, video, to and watch. it was of course in the hammy. Like, imagine you have a baby. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. All right. Well, anyway, do you have anything else you want to say about the movie? Um, kind of just you know, where do we go from here? Because the other thing I loved about this is it's original, original characters, original story. Like this is all not a sequel, not a prequel. It is all new stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to say the next Disney movie, not Pixar, but Disney is a movie called Encanto which uh, got a teaser trailer out that looks very fun. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's involved in it. Um, It seems to be based around this magical house of this family that Mm -hmm. all has gifts except one of them. Uh, And so it looks very fun. And then the other one that comes out, I believe, in spring of 2022. Have you seen the preview for Turning Red? I have. I have. It looks adorable. It absolutely looks adorable. When you initially told me about it, when when they announced all the Disney Plus content, like way back when, I was like, huh? Like, I wasn't sure how I felt about it, but it looks like it's going to be a cute movie. If you you, uh, have not seen the teaser trailer for either Encanto or Turning Red, uh, please uh, uh, go see them. I'll try to post them out on the socials here. Um, you know, do my podcast duties here. So I, I like that Disney is going more for like these original storylines. I love that they're going, you know, Encanto is, you know, a Hispanic family. So I love mm-hmm. that they're doing different cultures. It's that's very fun to me as well. Like even turning red, I think is, is a, um, it looks like an Asian culture that they're trying to portray. It's a panda bear. So and those are, I believe, native pandas are native to China. So Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I like that Disney is doing original stuff and uh, finding new stories to tell and new characters. I'm, I'm don't get me wrong. You know, I, I like when you continue the story of different characters I know they've announced some prequels and sequels through either theater theatrical releases or Disney Plus, but I also really like when they come up with new characters and new projects. So, you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm 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 excited. All this new stuff is coming out. You know, we we've, we've now this is going to be three episodes in a row, and I believe next week is Luca. So Luca. this will be four episodes in a row: Black Widow, Loki, uh, Raya, and uh, and Luca. Luca. We're yeah. like this is new content that has come out in the last. 
how many months, you know, it's it's interesting to have to plan out our episodes because, you know, before this, we're having to be like, okay, well, when do we need to throw a Diz Games listener challenge in here to kind of like fill in a topic for us? And now we're like, shoot, it's been a while since we've done a Diz Games listener challenge. We haven't done a Diz Game listener challenge, I want to say since January. Uh, That wouldn't surprise me. So, and you don't get me wrong. I mean, we'll get one in there. It's coming up. I think it's after Luca, but yeah, it's, um, it's nice just to have content to be able to go through and stuff um real quick before we go i know we had mentioned this on the podcast before so that d23 destination d event that we were talking about potentially going in november yeah that ship sailed uh that release i believe it was on tuesday of this past week and it sold out like within an hour i couldn't believe i couldn't even get logged in to even try to get a ticket it was insane so yeah not happening yeah but it'll live stream and actually it kind of works it was like four hundred dollars a person to go so it was yeah it was a lot of money and i was like you gotta pay for the tickets on top of that and the hotel room and all that stuff so but yeah anyway all right it's closing time uh if you'd like to get a hold of us uh matt mentioned our socials we have lots of them first of all you can find us on facebook the beers and ears podcast you can find us on twitter and instagram at beers ears 1928 you can also email us at beers and ears 1928 at gmail.com uh if you haven't already subscribed to us we really would appreciate if you would also take a minute to share us with your Disney like-minded friends and family. Let us know, or let them know that you listen to this really awesome podcast. That these really two awesome and handsome guys. And uh, <laughs> yeah, as you, we you couldn't, you couldn't see me, but I did a hair flip yes, just then. Did. So yeah, yeah see, the hair flip like Black Widow did, right? Yes, uh, and uh, anyway, let let them know you listen to this podcast and share it with your friends and family. Um, and don't forget to rate and review us five stars, five stars, right? You betcha. So, all right, let's go ahead and raise our glasses, Matt. This episode has been on us. We will see you next time for Luca. All right. Have a great one, everybody. We'll see you again real soon. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.